Hey everyone, it's Alicia too, and you're listening to NotFest Heavy Conversations. Today I'm joined by this week's panel, a star-studded panel in fact, featuring my fellow NotFest hosts, Stay Puff Mallow, Ryan J. Downey, and Tori Kravitz. What's new with you all? How has everybody been? Yo, good. It's summertime. Oh, yeah, isn't that amazing? June. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not really an exciting thing in Florida, to be honest, but... No. Uh... Yeah, no, it's it's swamp ass season all year round in Florida. You're used to it up there. Oh my god, seriously, it is. But I mean, for my update, I did just get back from England. I was doing mm-hmm. Slam Dunk and Heavy Music Awards with Not Fest, yeah. so the weather yeah. was exponentially better than what I'm experiencing right now. I miss like wearing hoodies and jeans all the time. Um, but yeah, that was super cool. Um, I I think Not Fest had the strongest stage of Slam Dunk. All of the best in heavy music with like Malevolence and Harriet, Higher Power um see space cowboy list goes on and on so it was a really fun weekend just like meeting the not fest team and like seeing a bunch of bands but you isn't guys it, your isn't it interesting that oh. favorite that i saw yeah i mean i'm biased but i gotta go boston manor i thought they were freaking sick and you know i love that feeling when like a band's playing in a in a stage that's a little bit too small for them but it's kind of on purpose where the tent is just overflowing and the, the energy is just crazy at the stage yeah. um so i definitely saw that for for them and then like there were quite a few bands like that over the weekend where it's just like good energy harriet also always crushes it so good yeah yeah i saw them uh last year i know downloads coming up very very soon yeah. but last year's download they were the very very first band to play and you wouldn't not have known it like it wasn't the thursday morning friday morning like everybody's sleepy like they charged into their set and the, like the whole tent basically would like filled out as soon as they started yeah. they're so good they're so awesome. good oh yeah and um the offspring was fun as well they're one of those bands that i i personally like i enjoy them but i'm not like a mega fan and then i see their set and i'm like man i know so many of these songs like it is just yeah. hit after hit and it was so much fun um, and the crowd was just good vibes, lots of dancing. So that's that's I remember having that, that experience with Green Day once at a festival yeah. where I was like, I'm not like a Green Day fan. I don't like go to turn on Green Day and then seeing them live and realizing like, I know every one of these songs. That's the beauty of festivals. That's such the beauty of festivals. I wouldn't buy a ticket to some of these acts, but then you can just walk up to their stage if it doesn't cross with someone else you love. And the next thing you know, you're like, shit, I really do know a lot of these bangers after one after the other. So, yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like you've had the best time, Tori. I know we talked more about the whole experience on She's With The Band actually earlier today, (laughs) but um, (laughs) just for our our heavy convo listeners, there's going to be a lot of content being pumped out, guys, from those events. So all you got to do is stay tuned to this channel along with uh, all the other not best social networks but there's a lot yeah, of and by the way big way. shout out to she's with the band because you two have been oh. killing it since you launched it and Thank just the you. consistency you. even which is so hard to maintain the momentum the fact that it's like still going as hard as it was when it launched thanks and Downey. the guests are getting like bigger and better and continually more diverse just and you, you just wait christina from lacuna coil on who's one of my absolute favorites um yeah I yeah, still have episodes that I need to listen to because of how much content that you guys have. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not telling y'all to slow down, but it's like, yeah, yeah let's slow down. Yeah. Well, the yeah, funniest good, part is we are we are putting on the brakes a little down. bit because now we're we're airing them bi-weekly just because of how much content we were pumping out. We can really wow. focus on our on our singular <laughs> yeah. guest for that. Which is not a bad thing. It's not, not a bad at thing. all. No. Yeah. But thank you to the She's of the Band fan club that I didn't yeah. realize we had. I appreciate you guys for the kind words. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah yeah it's been it's, it's been very impressive and very cool to watch hell yeah thanks, thanks Downey. 
Um, well, just before we get into today's topics, any updates from from the boys here? Have you guys been up to anything cool? Caught any neat shows recently? No and yes. Uh, <laughs> I was I like, think... I guess that's a no. Yeah, I was like the silence. Uh, no, no, I've been I've been having a time over here, but I got to see Brutus open for Converge just a couple of weeks ago. I know you uh, love Brutus. That you know, a tiny, not a, not the tiniest venue. I'd probably say mid-size now because all the venues in Nashville are fucking disappearing left and right. Um, but, you know, a 750 venue or whatever is like right up against the rail in front of Stephanie playing the drums. Oh my God, like how, I don't understand how they sound somehow better live than on record, but three people doing their thing and filling a room. Oh my, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. I'm sure I saw other shows previously but like that just like wiped away everything that I've been listening to and like that's even saying like we're not even going to talk about Converge right that's how good Brutus was it's like if you've seen Converge yeah you know it, the, it was going crazy they put on a great show but Brutus like oh my god it was incredible oh uh, I am geeking out that is like really high on my list to see Brutus live for that oh, reason yeah. exactly they seem like they're so much better live even than their recordings and it's like mind-boggling so it's so, so glad for that highly update recommend, highly recommend I went to Cruel World Festival a couple weekends ago and saw Billy Idol, who's one of the Billy Idol and Adam and the Ants are like the two artists that got me into music as a I very young kid. I love Adam and the Ants. And, and I know Adam we discussed canceled Billy a couple of days before he canceled Did all the West Coast shows that he had, which was a super bummer. But um, got to see Billy, Billy and Steve Stevens, who crushed it. Uh, watched Echo and the Bunny Men, a little bit of Love and Rockets, and. Um, I actually was leaving to beat traffic, which meant missing Susie. You, which you was told us this last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I ended up uh, being a blessing in disguise. But yeah, that was the last show that I went to. But I know we'll be talking about Avenged Sevenfold here today. Yes. We and uh, as we're taping this right now, I will be seeing them a couple days from now at the Forum in LA uh, with Falling in Reverse. So very much looking forward to that show. Well, let's oh, talk Avenged cool Sevenfold. Too. Yeah, that's the like second that mention of like falling in reverse there? too. Yeah, that was you, you like queued that up for me. I'm ready. <laughs> it's like he's done this once or twice. But <laughs> um, of course, speaking to Avenge Sevenfold, they released their latest record, "Life Is But a Dream," and absolutely shocked fans with this release because they move into one of the most experimental metal releases we have heard in years. Some fans adore the way that they push sonic landscapes and creativity. Meanwhile, some purists are absolutely livid. Influences did range on the release from. Daft Punk, Elton John, Pink Floyd to Kanye West. So that in itself should tell you that they decided to go a little bit crazy. Um, but it's completely reflected on the album as some songs take you on psychedelic trips and others feature pop songs with the use of vocoder. So super different within this realm of metal. So what's it like seeing such a shift in such an iconic metal band? And are we feeling it or are we not? We will start with you, John. Oh, man, you have to start with me. Maybe we should we start do. with Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, would you like uh, to begin? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go first uh, okay. because I feel like I might be the most neutral voice over here because I am not, mm -hmm. nor have I ever been an Avenged Sevenfold fan. They've just like never done anything for me as a band, right? And I'm not saying like it sucks that they're huge or you know, nothing like it's that. It's fair, just, we're not, not all gonna like everything. They're not for me. And so, but like I did go into this album, you know, wanting to engage with the art and see what the hoopla was. And, you know, you heard so much about it and how this is going to be out there. Um, I fucking hated 
the singles when they came out. So I was like, oh boy, 52 minutes of this. All right, let, like, let's go in. And um, so I had to like, I did go into this kind of expecting it to be dog shit. Like not like I wanted to hate it or this, but just given the singles and how I felt about them, I was like, well, give this a chance. Maybe they make sense in, in the grand scheme of things. And I did not think it was dog shit. I didn't, I don't necessarily know if I think that for me, this is a listenable album because it just feels like I know that they experimented a lot with psychedelics and DMT, all of this other stuff. And it feels like, yeah, you definitely guys were, were, were doing that because listening to Spongle for five hours with the star projector on your ceiling when you're tripping on LSD is great in the moment. Maybe not so much like when you're just like on a normal Tuesday, just trying to do your shit or whatever. And that's kind of how I felt about this, where it's like the first two songs I thought were cool. And then it starts to get into an area where I was, I felt like a parent at a kid's rehearsal where it was just like, all right, look, if we leave right now, we can catch the third period of the hockey game when we got this. So I don't, I wouldn't say that this was boring because you certainly can't listen to this album and say, oh, there's, there's so much going on to keep your attention. There's so much that they're trying to do in this. But just for me, I got about halfway into the album was like, I kind of want this to be over now. And uh, the, other than that, I can say that, like, Avenged Sevenfold is not going to give a fuck that some dude who doesn't, like, really listen to the band didn't really jive with their album, because this really seems to me like an album where they're like, fuck everybody else, we're going to do what we want yeah. and put it out there, and you can engage with it if you want, you can hate with it if you want, you can love it or whatever, and seeing the reaction from this, obviously it is connecting with a whole lot of people that really love the band. I know some people aren't so in on it and everything like that, but they put this like artistic statement out there and we're talking about it. And I think in that sense is it's a success as far as getting people to talk about this and form this like thought process and be like, is, can we go outside of these genre norms and is it too much or anything like that? Um, and for that, I think it has to be commended, but as far as an album, it's not going to be one that I'm going to be spinning on a regular basis. Yeah, they definitely pushed the envelope to say the least. And for me, as someone who loves psychedelia, I did think the merge of those genres was kind of cool. But then it also got to the point where I thought to myself, unless you're really tripping out, I don't know if I could vibe with this for the entire duration of mm. the record in itself. But Downey, as someone who's going to actually be seeing them later this week, I'm assuming, is, is it for strictly the older material that you love and you're hoping they don't play as much of the new stuff? Are you vibing with the new stuff? Where are you at? No, well, as John was talking, all I could think of is like a sticker on the album that says, not listenable, but not dog shit. Stay puffed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a review. Like, there are good like, parts in it. And there's good I really, halfway through, it, I know? really wanted it to be over, but it's not dog shit. <laughs> what an endorsement. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm going to be the counterpoint to that. Um, I think it's, it's bold. It's courageous. Um, yeah. It's uh, adventurous. It's confrontational it inspires it has all this discussion around it and i think that that's amazing because they're a band that has every opportunity to be boring uh they don't have to put out new music at this point not that they're a super old band but they're enough of, a, of veterans with multi-platinum records in their catalog they could go out and play the hits they could do the festivals uh they could do like what solely from godsmack has been talking about on this album cycle where he's like we don't you know why put out new records where people are going to go wait in line for beer when we play a new song or two? We'll just keep playing all the songs people are there to, to hear. Avenge could have gone that route. And they took the attitude, especially 
Matt and Brian, who are the core songwriters in that band, they really took the attitude of like, why even make a new record if we're not going to do something new, if we're not going to do something different? And of course, you know, we all love ACDC and Motorhead and different bands who were known as like really locking into one thing. And uh, by the other extension, there's bands who do these extreme shifts that are too disconnected from what their core sound is. And I don't think that this is really necessarily one of those because there's still some traditional events moments in the record. Um, but yeah, I just love that it's interesting. I love that it's a record people are talking about, mm -hmm. that it's challenging. Um, the first song that they put out as a single, which was Nobody, I absolutely love. It's uh, one of my favorite event songs. And, uh, and unlike John, I, I love am, the smile on John's yeah. face right now, by the way. I just need to point that out for our listeners. It's yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, dry it. It was exactly. an extreme earworm. Like I, nobody was stuck in my head for, uh, and, and I should, um, as a disclaimer, I have a little, uh, not necessarily bias, but um, I've had the record for a long time, like probably about six months. Um, and people were really just hearing it last week. Mm -hmm. So I've had a long time to really absorb it and kind of explore its nuances and trip out on it and uh, really understand like where they're coming from and what they're trying. And, uh, you know, this isn't to say that I love every moment on it. Like sometimes you're going to take a big swing and it's going to be a miss. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, there are things that I wouldn't do if it were my record, but, uh, but there are songs that I really, really love. And the whole thing as an experience, the different places it goes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's everything from Zappa to Kanye to Mr. Bungle to Avenged Sevenfold. And, and I, I will wrap this up by saying that um, I, I don't know that I've ever said this anywhere before, but Matt is one. I mean, if I were to make a list of even certainly 10, maybe even top five metal hard rock vocalists. I mean, he's just absolutely one of my favorite frontmen. Um, has been for a long time. Uh, just the things that he does vocally, the, the character to his voice. Uh, the way that they're, uh, you know, they really kind of took on this this mantle of being like a Metallica meets Guns N' Roses with a little bit of Pink Floyd for a younger generation and uh, did it really well. You know, Hail to the King was a huge record and it was really a record where they took every hard rock and metal anthem of the last several decades and really tore them apart and rebuilt it into a record that's like, hey, if you want to hear what hard rock sounds like, here's a pure hard rock album. And so for now, for them on this last record, the stage, and especially this one for them to be exploring other things, I think it's just uh, phenomenal. But um, yeah, it's a band that uh, it's been really fun to watch grow from their early metalcore and makeup beginnings in Orange County to, uh, you know, the heights of MTV TRL right at the end of the TRL era and them and Fall Out Boy and Mike Cam were all breaking in the mainstream. And then to, to get all the way to now where, you know, they're putting out a record at a time when uh, people aren't really buying records and it's getting talked about, you know, as opposed to like, oh, it's another new Avenged record. It's mm -hmm. instead, it's like a discussion. Oh, it's you know, definitely just, stirring the pots, making everybody <laughs> talk, whether, whether, you know, a plus or a con in that regard. But I think my favorite part about 
the release in general, just in terms of the overall experience and how it's being put out there, is the fact that they've come out and said, we don't give a shit what people think. Like, they've even come out at the hardcore fans who've been with them for ages, and they just said, this is what we wanted to do. We had an incredible experience behind the scenes in terms of how we created it and the ideology behind it and the fact they were tripping throughout it. And I think, you know, the fact that they embraced that fully and they did something different and weren't scared to really say, okay, this is super different. We're not going to adhere to what a lot of bands do, which is just mimicking the sound throughout the years. Kudos to them. That that I think is super, super and ballsy. Even down to the band photos, because uh, I mean, they are a very good looking band to, to the point where that was even something that they got knocked for early on. It was like that. You know, of course like they did. People will never be happy. You know, you're either you, you're either and fugly then you and their, then if you're good looking, you, you know, you're you're doomed to. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at the band photos for this album cycle and they're like aggressively confrontationally um, like unattractive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've seen like the pictures that they put out around this record, but they're sort of purposefully like playing against type. You know, because they are, they do have like chiseled features and buff dudes and they look cool and whatever. And that's always been part of their thing. And I think for them to play against that is another sort of, uh, it's like a visual representation of what the record's doing musically and just this whole artistic statement that they're doing. I think it's just awesome. Yeah. And Tor, what are your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I um, I do fall more on the team with this one where Avenged, although I respect the hell out of them, was never really my cup of tea. Like, I obviously know the hits, but wasn't, like, hardcore Avenged Sevenfold fan, which I know that, like, their fan base is diehard. So going into this, like, knowing that it was a divisive album, I almost was like, well, now I want to try and like it. Like, I'm going into this with an open mind. Let's try and have some fun with it. And um, although I think it's quite chaotic and it was a lot to digest, I really did have fun listening to it. Like, the fact that it was so experimental, and I was just like, hot damn, there's a lot going on in here. Um, so... I think the fact that it's gotten everyone talking about it and trying to make sense of it in a way does make it a success. The fact that they have been a band for so long and they are in this conversation right now, we're talking about it. Um, metal fans, new and old, have questions and are curious. I think that's already like thumbs up. That's a win. Um, so yeah, I would say like if anyone hasn't listened to it yet and you've seen bad reviews, like just keep an open mind. Um, but because like I'm not an avenged connoisseur, I decided to like go in the the YouTube comments and like read the really insane oh, reviews. No. <laughs> and I found one comment that I think just kind of sums up how like my thoughts. It was um a lot of bands tend to go the Imagine Dragons or butt rock route when they're this far along in their career. So I gotta appreciate Avenged Sevenfold for mixing mixing it up with each album. And I was like, yeah, it could be worse. They don't sound like Imagine Dragons on this album. You know, just- there's, there's nothing that sounds like, oh man, we really gotta, we really gotta make sure we have a song for Octane. There's nothing- It like, every band it sounds like Avenged. Right now, that's their number one focus. That's the objective of yes. so many groups at this moment. Song. It's less, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they definitely didn't try that. Like them. Yeah, like, and this is much more yeah. like even Bring Me, who's certainly gone more commercial in a way. I respect that Bring Me does the same thing. Falling in Reverse, which I think is a great choice to open this show at the Forum and the show at mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden, because that's another band that in a different way is seen as, as confrontational and controversial. And uh, somebody who broke away from the album uh, releases into this like single format. And also somebody who, you know, is current single is like almost aggressively anti-radio um yeah. 
And, I mean, eventually uh, could have yeah. gone the route of like desperately grasping and trying to stay relevant, and instead they just did whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah, they I went out the floors and a bunch of drugs were like, "Here you go. Here's what we yeah. got." Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, we're going to go from that kind of diverse topic into one I know a few people on this panel are very hyped about because making huge waves in the metal news world uh, we got to touch on some legends Iron Maiden they're currently on tour and not only are pleasing fans but they're monster hits from over the years but also some serious deep cuts that are interlaced within their current set list and this surprised a lot of people so we're going to turn to both John and Downey here as I know you two were really excited about this one and just seeing all the surprises and different songs that are appearing in these shows so one of you take it away yeah Dana, you go first since i uh i trashed your beloved avengers seven <laughs> <laughs> it's all fair in love and war this is what we do here um it's it is, honest yeah. and authentic uh and yeah anybody watching this who's, who's like these people are all shills no we're not <laughs> <laughs> um i still hate Limp i, I wear a devin townsend shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little too out there right now yeah so many fighting uh, words. <laughs> yeah, Maiden, Up the Irons. Who doesn't love Iron Maiden? And, and it's a, there's a great segue from Avenged to Maiden, actually, because I know yeah. that uh, the band Avenged just talked about Maiden as uh, one of their guideposts mm -hmm. in this stage of their career, because Maiden has always been a band that could just go out and play the hits, but instead in insists on putting out new records, Sink or Swim, uh, Loved or Hated, and they go out and they play a bunch of songs from their new album. Like they've always refused, you know, much like Metallica. Like there's some of these bands that refuse to go the route of like, we have a new album, but we're only going to make you sit through one or two songs. We know what you're here to see. Um, they're more like, no, we have a record. We're super proud of it. We're going to come play all of it. There were some tours where they did the new record start to finish. And then Matter of Life and Death. It's, it's, it's encore, yeah. So um, this set list is particularly exciting because there is a lot of new stuff in there. Um, but there are so many songs that they are playing on this current run that they haven't played in many years. Uh, a handful of songs that they'd never played, period, like Alexander the Great. That's the one that's being talked about a lot. But a lot of stuff from Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son era, which I really love because that's uh it's funny to think of that even as old maiden now because that was iron maiden when i was discovering them was mm -hmm. somewhere in time was new and seventh son i bought seventh son when it came out and those were records already back then that metal elitists who were a couple years older than me were like this is a new maiden you know much like new anything new, gross yeah they were like yeah, everyone complained that somewhere in time had keyboards on them yeah. Or and and Seven Sun Seven Sun had keyboards on it. And then you know, that whole era it was like, yeah, Maiden's lame now, they're soft, and people were getting into heavier things and thrash was popping. And so to see, you know, this full circle moment of decades later, fans embrace that era, which was like my era, yeah. you know, it's just it's awesome to like see those songs like coming out and one off the cobwebs and yeah, song I mean, caught somewhere in time. They haven't played since eighty seven. And you know to open with that now it's just it's awesome so yeah it's, it's, i hope to see them soon alicia did you want to go ahead i was gonna say it's just a cool juxtaposition because as music fans i know 
we're kind of pinned as people who just want to go hear all the hits and leave. But I don't think people realize deep down the surface when you love a band, you know, all those deep cuts, you know, those B sides, you know, those singles that they released like three decades ago, just on the side that didn't make it to radio, but they were just so cool and hidden gems. And I think the fact that they're delivering that to their fans, knowing how hardcore they are, how many years they've been doing this and how many people want it, like they're, they're listening and not many bands do that. It is just hit after hit. All right. It's the whole set's an encore at this point when you have that kind of catalog, because you right. can make it just a full show that feels like an encore but um if they have those fans that are respectable like diehard fans which with a band like that so many are i just think it's a really cool thing to come out and do because we really don't see it frequently so i love to see that oh. with a lot more bands that i love where they come out and they they play those hidden gems because you always want to hear them live and you just you never get the chance to yeah. Yeah. And um, to kind of build on that, uh, Downey, a different perspective is like, so you were talking about when you were getting into Maiden, Seventh Son and Somewhere in Time were the ones that were new for you and coming out. So for me, uh, the first new Maiden album that came out when I was like aware of them and actively a fan of them was Dance of Death. So like almost a 20 year gap in between that. And when I listened to Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son for the first time, I kind of went in knowing that like, oh, these were maligned because of like they were more 80s or whatever. And those two albums are some of my favorite albums in their discography, right? And I feel like when you talk about the run of Brave New World, Dance of Death and A Matter of Life and Death, you can kind of see that as well, where it's like, no, 20 years removed now from those albums. Yeah. It's it's an incredible run of albums where it's just like it's still Maiden, but it's different. They have all like if you want the four minute bangers, they have those. If you want the big epic, you know, eight minute long song, uh, you know, stadium fillers, they have those and everything else in between. And I remember the first. So the first time that I saw Iron Maiden, they were doing it was on that 2005 Oz Fest that ended with people throwing eggs at them mm -hmm. at the end of the set and everything like that. When you um, say people, you mean Sharon Osbourne. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I believe it wasn't just her throwing the eggs, but I believe, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up. Yeah. Uh, you, you go into it, run down the Wikipedia hole if you have no idea what we're talking about. It is a, it is a trip. 2005 OzFest egg Iron Maiden thrown incident. Google will get you there. Um, but so That's they, exactly like, what we're going to type verbatim, by the way, John. Yes, yeah. that's the title of this Perfect. episode. Um, Thorough. So the first time I saw them, they were doing songs from the first four Iron Maiden albums. And then the next time after they came back, after that, they're like, all right, we're playing Brave New World. We're playing No More Lies. We're playing Rainmaker. They did everything from all of the newer albums. And then it's like since then, they've been backing forth from Alicia, what you were talking about, the deep cuts, the hits. They did a, a what was a somewhere back in time about like 15 years ago where they did a lot of cuts from mm -hmm. Seventh Son and things like that. And to see them work in um, the new album with all of these old songs like i look at this set list it's 15 songs long and as a diehard maiden fan for those of you listening they're my favorite band in the world they're what really got me into heavy metal like i look at this and i'm like i don't know what else i would change on like if i paid right. money to go yeah. see that set list and i saw that yeah there are things that i would want them to play that they didn't because of course that's going to be like that unless they play for three four hours yeah but we can't like, have it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying like, so working in Can I Play With Madness and The Prisoner, like one of their best deep cuts of all time. Um, and like, yeah, you could maybe say like, you, you could have swapped out Time Machine with uh, um, Stratego or one of the other songs on um, Sinjetsu because who knows how you're feeling about that. But I like Downey, I don't know how you feel about it, but Hell on Earth. 
the song that ends that album, I think, is one of the best Maiden songs that they've written in years. It fucking brought me to tears. It's Steve Harris basically saying this world is fucked. We're all doomed. But I hope that when we die, there's maybe something better on the other side. See you then. And to have that end, that kind of like dour, long album, I thought was just a perfect capstone. And I want to see that so bad. Yeah, and the and live debut that coming out for the first time and being towards the end of the set, like it is at the end of the record. Like, yeah, the whole I'm I'm with you. I look at that set list and you know, another artist that comes to mind for me is Morrissey, where he's another one that some fans hate that he doesn't <laughs> yeah, some fairy uh... it's not a put the nickel in the jukebox. Like, uh, but for me, I'm such a Morrissey fan that he's not gonna play anything that I'm not gonna be happy about. And I would right. rather you know, as much as I love How Soon Is Now, as much as I love Every Day Is Like Sunday, like there are so many deep cuts that I would rather hear live. And so I'm always excited when the set list is a surprise and when it's, you know, when there are B-sides and when there are, you know, lesser loved albums, uh, tracks coming out. Like, yeah, that, that's really what I want when I, is a nice blend when you go see these kind of legacy acts as opposed to, you know, say like a Motley Crue where, it's the it's the jukebox mm-hmm. yeah i mean Tor, is there anything you'd like to add because i do know for this next yeah. topic i feel like you'll you'll have a lot to say so totally <laughs> up to you girl <laughs> no i mean i i just like i kind of agree with you guys when i'm a diehard fan of a band i love going into a show feeling so surprised by hearing a song that i love and hold so near and dear that you don't even expect to be on the set list and just like that moment of relishing in it in a live show is so awesome and i like, personally, I think there's, like, a balance, right? Because, like, for, for an example, I went and saw Placebo last year, and they didn't play any of the hits. And I was like, where's Nancy Boy? Like, please, <laughs> you know? So I think, like, sometimes the fan service is good of, like, playing the deep cuts mixed in with some of the, like, expected ones. Yeah, um, balance. I, I to- totally agree. Because then it's, it, it's sort act. of aggressive in, in the wrong way when it's, like, we're we're avoiding every familiar song. Like yeah, that's- I'm like, now you're just rebelling. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. For sure. Chill out a little bit. <laughs> well, another thing we've been seeing a lot of in our scene are these metal juggernauts working with mainstream acts. We're now seeing metal merging with other genres like rap and pop and not just people throwing out songs, but them becoming monster singles. Um, a good example, of course, being Bring Me the Horizon, collaborating with Lil Uzi Vert. So is this a crossover that we love to see? I know none of us here are for gatekeeping, which I am so proud of, you know, for us to be representing here. But what are our thoughts on seeing that go so far into the mainstream? Because it's it's that fine line of not gatekeeping, but also having our little gems and thinking, is this to the point where it's selling out a little bit? Does this even sound good? So what? how are we feeling about that? We will start with you, Tor, on this one. <laughs> Sure. I mean, I've always been a hardcore Bring Me fan. I credit them for being one of the first like metal bands. I was like, oh my God, this is so heavy. Look at all the screaming. You know, when I was like young, I digress. I've just aged myself. I am a solid 27. Um, But with (laughs) that in mind, uh, I've been a little bummed out because I feel like Bring Me at the moment has been so poppy and I'm just like, "Mm, it's not really for me. I love that they're diversifying and that they brought in this whole new fan base, but just personally, like I do love some of the earlier stuff. Um, so when I saw that Lil Uzi Vert was on the new track, I was like, oh man. And then I put it on and I was like, oh wait, this is like heavy. Like this is not what I was expecting a collaboration like this to be. Um, so I think it's just a testament to the fact that Britney's always mixing the metal with the pop with every everything you think of in electronic. 
Um, I will say, though, seeing that name on the collaboration of the new single wasn't a surprise to me, just knowing Bring Me's history. I mean, it goes as far back as, like, um, they had Skrillex remixes for Suicide Season. They had Lights on There's a Hell. They had Grimes on Amo. So they've always incorporated these artists that you wouldn't necessarily expect with a metalcore act um, into their music. But this was definitely, like, a big stretch that I know... Fans generally seem really happy with. So with that in mind, I'm like, as long as Green Week fans are stoked on it, I'm stoked on it. Like, good for them. Hmm. Anyone Other else than, thoughts? That's exactly yeah, well, I, I would, I'm In some of those collaborations, it's interesting you mentioned some of those early ones, earlier ones were still sort of hardcore adjacent. Because mm-hmm. when you think about like, you know, Skrillex being from from first to last and, right. and you know, Lights is married to Bo from Bless the Fall. So it's like, it's kind of like, it's, it's teetering it's all incestuous lives, still it's like yeah it's still like kind of adjacent yeah um and then the other thing that i think gets forgotten for some reason um it's funny how it's sort of like it's almost like it didn't happen because it was just a few years ago but ozzy and post malone mm. the oh ozzy God, post yeah. malone song was such a like weird thing it's basically and ozzy, yeah. and ozzy was so stoked on it that he that, you know Wrapped whatever the next record was going to be and went to Post Malone's producer and made a whole record with that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. and not even mm-hmm. with his band, you know? There's mm-hmm. no Zach Wilde, there's no Blasco on that record. Um, yeah, it is It is really interesting. And then obviously, you know, there's stuff when it's not necessarily a single, it's just a performance like Metallica and Gaga at the Grammys. And I'm all for it. I mean, I, you know, I don't love the Metallica Lou Reed album. In fact, I've, you know, I'm the guy who does a Metallica podcast and I've never successfully made it through the Metallica Lurid albums start to finish. <laughs> You're not the only one. Um, yeah, we all just pretend it doesn't exist. I, I don't even know yeah. what album, but... <laughs> but I love that they did it. You know, they met Lou Reed. Uh, they did, they were his backing band for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They enjoyed it. They struck up a friendship. That turned into like, let's make a record. And um, I'm all for that. Just that experimentation and collaboration and, um, you know, why not have little Uzi Vert and bring me do a song together, you know, and then that is a tongue more... twister, by the way. Uzi Vert. Yeah, like that took me a second that. before saying it. <laughs> well, uh, times. Yeah. I mean, I mean, why not? Right. It's um, ultimately the hope is that it will, you know, bring uh, more people into each genre that's involved uh, by, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hooking them in with something that they like. So yeah, yeah. And hopefully they go back and listen to the rest of the discography and can see where it actually blossomed from and stemmed from at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Bringing new people in because, you know, whether how, what, however you feel about bringing the horizon, I feel like if you listen to this track, um, you know, the big thing is just not trying to water yourself down for a mainstream audience or try to like, you know, dull your shine to try and say like, oh, here's some radio appeal or get some pop stars to maybe look at us or something like that. And I don't think that if you listen to this track, that Bring Me just put out, you would say that they're doing that, right, at all in any way. Um, you know, I think back to the Public Enemy Anthrax collaboration, yeah. right? And, like, you know, we can talk about this is 20 years ago, whenever, what, 30 years ago, I guess, at this point. Holy shit, where's the time go? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just, like, if you watch one of the the live music video that they have on that where Public Enemy and Anthrax are on the stage and you just see the crowd going nuts and it's just, like, Public Enemy fans, Anthrax fans, 
And I, I certainly think, like, I looked at the world of hardcore for this, too, because those walls have been uh, uh, coming down a lot. I know we've talked about this a lot on the um, uh, on the on this podcast before, but, like, you know, we're talking about the Avenged album and, and then just going there and trying all these different stuff. And, you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't, some of it people are really gravitating to. I feel like the current and modern hardcore scene is really doing that where they're not afraid to like, you know, you look at the collaborations that Drain had on their album that came out and just all of these different things that people are trying, knowing that like, look, good tunes is good tunes. And if we can work with some people or get something else in there, Ozzy, Post Malone, whatever it is, um, I think it's a good thing, especially if the content is good and gets eyes on what what people are doing, you know? That's a second thing, all of it? that. It's like, it's all just good publicity for metal in a way. Like, I think the more, like, the more people we can, like, bring into this metal sphere that we have, the more we're going to continue to thrive and succeed. And why not? Like, anybody yeah. who really loves heavy music should hopefully want that. Yeah. Well, yeah and hopefully toy. it works the opposite way, too, where you get some uh, crusty old metalheads like myself being like, you know what? Some of this music's actually all right. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> no shade to Travis Barker, but uh, thankfully none of the songs we talked about were featuring Travis Barker. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Downey! There where it's just I, like I you know, he was on everything. Was on, like, it was baffling. Everything. Yeah. Or Kellen Quinn. Kellen Quinn's had a moment. As he well. had a moment too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy, man. It's it's cool because throughout this whole show, I feel like everyone we've talked about, even though it's been sometimes juxtaposed juxtapose how do you why am i blanking right now i just can't yeah. say it it's been a long night guys i got home at 3 a.m cut me some slack anywho um i feel like a lot of bands where we haven't seen eye to eye but there's always that weird silver lining where we always understand one another and that brings me to my favorite part every single week on heavy convos which is where we share the music that we love because here is where we leave we discover them then we can kind of like reconvene and say yes we love this we weren't a fan of that but we always have that underlining level of respect and that's why i adore you guys so we're going to now get into our songs of the week um for me i've been going back to the 80s and i'm still living and indulging in some of my favorites from that era leaning more towards lots of post-punk and shoegaze energy and the more i've been listening to a lot of these bands that beckon that i'm starting to hear more nuances in a lot of the newer metal that's coming out today which is really cool um because it doesn't always have to be like crazy in your face some of them have those like mazzy star vibes that are intertwined in between mm. and they had those interludes and it's just it's really neat to kind of listen to now and realize man they're really backing back so i've been obsessed with the jesus and mary chain right now because they simply just soothe me i love the ethereal and chilled vocals and the great ambiance of the instrumentals yet how a lot of their songs go back to the 60s with tons of tambourine and i don't know the best part for me though is just constantly drowning everything in reverb i'm a sucker for it so i just i can't get enough of them and that's that's who i I've been jamming to a ton this week and you know luckily on spotify they just do that little uh genius ripoff where they play everything that's similar so i've been going down that rabbit hole and it's it's a very Great. happy place to be so i'm i'm you know i'm enjoying it but what are you guys loving how about you john uh i do love the essentials and the this is playlists especially if you need like 45 minutes or 30 minutes and you just yeah. want to put something on like i'm in this mood but i don't want to think and whatever just shuffle that or and, the you know, made for you um, just yeah they're great mm -hmm. uh 
so uh speaking of the 80s uh, i do i do have two because they're quite different i don't want to shout out two different uh two different bands two different songs but speaking mm-hmm. of the 80s uh i cannot get the new creeper song out of my head uh cry to heaven yeah i see tori's yeah. uh, i'm sorry if i stole this one from you or not <laughs> or anything like but like holy shit this is just like they you know you know they started as kind of like uh you know very uh afi reminiscent like that t- sort of like goth punk type of deal and then on the last album went kind of like gothic punk americana and now they're like billy idol meets bonnie tyler meets the lost boys meets sisters of mercy i don't even know just this huge man like this song could be on the fucking footloose soundtrack i feel like if it was like goth footloose and like just like it's so catchy it's so good the key change at the end like will's theatrics hannah's voice the ian's guitar play just everything about it i'm so stoked for their new record and i just can't get the song out of my head um and then going a completely opposite direction the new single from crypta uh brazilian thrash metal death metal band lord of ruins uh is it's it's great it's one of the best songs i've heard this year just catchy makes you want to run through a brick wall bang your head just like you know throw beers at the well i don't even know just like all you want to be good- destructive yes you do. <laughs> this is called lords of ruins everybody just like oh man like yeah uh fernanda lira's death metal face in the video is like top tier death metal face of all time i know the band's only been around for a couple of years but like she is just the front woman and bassist that everybody wants and yeah their their uh debut was sick check it out and uh yeah this new album coming out in august should be very very sick as well so creeper and crypta nice little like alliteration for you there is what that's what i've been spinning that's awesome tour you're head nodding a lot. I know that you had a little experience with uh, with Creeper, so let's go. Well, yeah, because John just stole my uh, pick, oh, but sorry. I don't even mind because honestly, yeah. just to touch on it super fast with Creeper, Cry to Heaven, we were listening to it. We were in the van on the way to the Heavy Music Awards. I was writing with Boston Manor at the time, and so we all saw that the release came out. We pumped it in the car. We were like, all right, blast it. And we were on the way there. We were all exhausted. And we were just bouncing off the walls by the time that song was done. As soon as the key change, we all went, key yeah. change. <laughs> we love a good key change. That's why I love it's- my power metal, Tori. Just key changes everywhere. Exactly. And then, like, as soon as we rolled up to the venue, Wembley Arena, Creeper sound checking. And what do we hear? Cry to heaven. And we were just like, Yes. So that song kind of followed me that whole weekend because they played Slam Dunk as well and we're playing the new song. And it is just, I think it's Creeper at their absolute best and at their truest. So for sure. Yeah. But to pivot and like give you something else, I don't know. I <laughs> On the fly, I've been revisiting Gojira quite a bit at the moment because um, I've been an, in a workout funk and I need some good pump pump up music. Um, so the album, okay, it's French. So like L'Enfant Sauvage, the 2012 album. I mean... Do I need to explain why Gojira is good? I don't think I do. It's a bit redundant to this crowd. But if you haven't revisited that album in a hot minute, I recommend, you know, it's it never fails. I think a lot of our listeners probably discovered Gojira on that album. And it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've just been really loving that at the moment. Stuck in my head. Lots of catchy riffs. No complaints. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of younger bands you talk to right now, when you ask them, like, uh, for reference points about what they're doing, Gojira always comes up as mm-hmm. like really shaping bands right now. So uh, two things I want to say uh, real quick, both uh, related to my pick. Number one, I can't believe I didn't see it earlier. And, it, and it's pro- it's probably the fit also, but you really have a Hope Sandoval thing going. 
So no wonder you're listening to a lot of Mazzy Star. I've never noticed the Institute <laughs> and this animal similar. I would have I mean, never right? I see that. Yeah, I don't know if I see it. it right? I'll take it because I think Star, she's I amazing. Like, I was like, but, she's a good compliment. Going right now. Okay. Um, Thank you. And staying in that lane, nice segue of uh, post-punk and uh, synthy reverb drenched stuff. One of my absolute favorite current artists and favorite people uh from louisville kentucky photo crime uh it's spelled with an f f-o-t-o crime uh i I think i've picked their songs before uh but they have a new song out right now from their forthcoming album the song is called accelerated and yeah the band is very much influenced by you know everything from you know cold war panic to uh yep uh, post-punk uh very synth heavy very 80s uh, very dark, moody, kind of romantic. Um, and it really began as a solo project for Ryan Patterson from the band Coliseum and has since expanded, particularly on this record that he's about to put out. He's been really emphasizing um, how much a band has now sort of solidified and the contributions and everything from the other folks in his band now. So I'm looking forward to hearing how that might change from prior records, but um, I've loved every single thing he's done so far and the song is no exception so if you like that post-punk 80s synth heavy you've sold me (laughs) sexy stuff i'm in i mean that's like that's all i look for in a description for new music so yes everything has been checked (laughs) hell yeah well, everybody, that is all for this week's Heavy Convos. I, of course, want to shout out our incredible panel joining me this week, the panel of Stay Puff Mallow, Ryan J. Downey, and Tori Kravitz. It's been Alicia Toot, and we'll, of course, see you next week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to chill with us on a weekly basis. We have so much fun filming this. And, of course, until then, have a good one, guys. Bye.